we pledge allegiance to our captain of Ford Madison FC and to the supporters group for which it stands, one flock under turbo with revelry and unity for all. Clean cut, but morally corrupt, it's Forwards Backwards Podcast. Welcome back, not to the Gimme Some Truth Studios and not to the corner of Glenway and Monroe. This week, we discuss forward tormenting South Georgia. Shout out to Jake from the Blackfires, a.k.a. at X on Twitter. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. W-U-S-I-G-I-X on Twitter for that pun. Uh, we're going to talk about the midnight Vang train to Georgia. And Dan provides us with an in-depth preview of Union Papillon this week. As always, I'm joined by the Larry and Curly to my mo, Kyle, the hardest working man in Madison podcasting car, and Dan Fallon, who yesterday sent me the single laziest text in a friendship filled with lazy texts. Dan, Kyle, lots of questionable activity over the weekend from another soft Man Man United penalty, to Bernard Silva's Twitter, to Pep's Lyon tactics. But I really want to know, what I really want to know, better butter of heads, Zinedine Zidane or Giannis Antetokounmpo? I feel this is right in your wheelhouse, Kyle. Look, all I'm going to say is Mo Wagner, the dude that Giannis headbutted, has a very punchable face. So he had it coming. (laughs) I don't blame Giannis for doing it. Plus, then he got suspended to ensure that he was going to go into the playoffs healthy. So everybody wins in this situation. It Except was the Phoenix Suns. Sorry, Jake. It was barely a headbutt. Wagner was flopping all over the place. It was it was soft. It was soft. Not as soft as Bernardo Silva, but still soft. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, Dan, do you have an uh, an opinion? Uh well, I, two two things. I would I'll, just because of the the um, the fact that it was in a World Cup final and it was his last moment as a professional soccer player, I think Zidane shades it just a little bit. Um, secondly, I so I don't I'm not a, I don't follow the NBA very closely. So when I first saw a picture of this guy, I was just assumed he went to Duke, uh, Mo Wagner or whatever his name is, and then I find out he's German. <laughs> I'm like, he's the most American looking. German I've ever seen. So I assume he wears vineyard vine though. Most of the time he's trucking around the United States with, uh, with the, the ear straps uh, on his sunglasses on his, he's got the croquis on and everything. So I don't, I I, I don't fault Giannis for his actions. Uh, What I will say, do I fault Zidane? (laughs) uh, One of, one of the things I will say about Zidane is was the subject of an excellent essay, uh, which I, I included in a paper I published long ago by uh, Jean-Philippe Toussaint, La Melancholie de Zidane. Actually, my friend uh, Tangam translated it in, into English, The Melancholy of, of Zidane. And it basically casts uh, Zidane's headbutt in a very existential light. So if Giannis's was, was you know, there for uh, strategic purposes, Zidane's has the deep you know, existential resonance because he, he didn't know how to leave the game of soccer. That's what the thesis of this essay is. So, um, 
you know, but Mo Wagner, both of those guys had it coming. But what I never understand, and and perhaps people with more fighting experience than me, uh, launching your head at someone as the way to like attack them just seems like a bad idea. Like that's the kind of most delicate part, you know. So I do agree. I I said if Giannis is going to do it, just throw an elbow or drop kick him. That way you protect your hands, you protect your head. An elbow is not going to do that much. Dick. Like an elbow is not going to hurt you. And kicking is awesome. If you drop kick someone, that is great things to see. Well, as we learned, have, you ever Keith, as we learned have I? Yeah. Uh, no. Cause you've been in more, uh, you know, bar altercations than I have. <laughs> I would say I was, I was once, um, uh, in a, men's league match a guy fake head butted me um but my my older brother who was about 10 yards behind the guy from his vantage point it looked like I was head butted and so before I could say anything my brother landed an elbow to the back of the guy's head and the guy was (laughs) on the floor in front of me but we also learned a very helpful lesson over the weekend from one of the uh, Mediterranean marauders Keith that yeah they're going to get into our intro yeah, if you're going to uh, get into a fight, make sure you read the handbook because in some school districts, a closed fist punch is treated differently than an open hand punch. So one of the marauders, who we won't identify by name, instead of punching people, would just bitch slap them around and make sure he did not only got the one-day suspension rather than the five-day suspension. Which, I mean, that's that's preemptive lawyering and that's that's good <laughs> thinking. I mean... You know, if you can lawyer in advance, that's that's good thinking. Uh, unfortunately, Kyle Cowboy Neal at the wheel Holavati is neither joining us nor updating his Poshmark page. Apparently, since he can no longer bring bring his dates to the pod, he had to find an actual date night activity with his uh, significant other. So uh, they're they're doing a little uh, golfing today. I think is is what happened. Much more successful than our round of golf, probably Dan. Um, yes, which, uh, you know. We didn't keep score, um, and no clubs were broken, and we hit the 10th hole. We got everything checked off. So we did. Uh, before we get to our match recap of the, the match with uh, South Georgia, did want to bring up, uh, and Kyle has an excellent scouting report because he's uh, been watching uh, in addition to the Canadian Premier League, which your tweet on this subject, and actually we're really happy to have you here because, Kyle, one of the things we've been talking strategically is – now that we've learned that you uh, you speak Swedish, um, having you start up the Swedish version of the Forwards Backwards podcast, um, and apparently you taught yourself Swedish just from uh, assembling IKEA furniture and watching the the Swedish uh, Top Flight. Is that is that correct? Yeah, all I gotta do is put together some IKEA furniture, the nursery that we have, all from IKEA. So that was easy. And then when the Swedish league's on ESPN Plus, better transition. So now at the Canadian Premier League, going to try and knock out some French. Got some Spanish and Portuguese already. So let's just add more languages while we're at it. So Madison Madison uh, signed Noah Fuzon. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. We haven't gotten any guidance from our sources in the club about how to pronounce his name. Uh, he basically uh, went to, to England to, to kind of – participate in a training academy there uh has had a couple of tryouts with a couple of championship teams uh kyle as you watch the uh you know california premier league um what can you tell us you're a big fan of of what's your team in that league 
the FC Golden State Forces, um, powerhouse of a team, top 10 in the world, I would say. Um, <laughs> so scouting report on him. He does look like he's got the talent that he could play anywhere across the forward line, which I'm excited about. There's been a highlight that's been going around. He pretty much scored from the halfway line. Um, it kind of, he kind of gives me more of like an Alex Monas with a little bit better end product. That's what I've gathered from him so far. in like the two minutes I have watched that videos of him. Is, well, it it seems like more an, than I've watched. So <laughs> I had to do it because once I saw that name, I was like, yeah, I should maybe know what's going on if I have to talk about it on this pod. So yeah, I would say he looks like Alex Monas with a little bit better end product for a 20 year old kid. If I like the strategy that Ford's going with, with bringing some more youthful players in. So that way, if they're good, they can keep them around a little bit longer. And who knows, maybe you can have a Joe Gallardo and keep them and then end up selling them to a championship squad. Dan, uh, you know, because we have not yet trained Kyle to be lazy as we are, uh, we haven't watched at all. So I don't have any, any comments about him, Dan, uh, anything you want to add? Well, I mean, we, I think we touched on this a little bit last week and maybe I think after the pod, we got a little preview that there was probably a signing coming. Uh, Neil really kept it close to the vest, didn't give us a name or who, but the, the hint being that it would probably be a forward player and uh, as a lowercase F uh, a striker. Um, and now that this, I think this is four weeks in a row that Woj has played full 90. I believe he stayed on again this week uh, with a Friday, Wednesday, Sunday. Um, you know, I think this is an important signing really just, not that I'm thinking it's just for one week, but um, we're probably going to need him Wednesday night would be my guess. He's probably would assume he'll get some minutes um, up front as long as everything goes to plan. So um, yeah, excited to see another young signing. It's great that he had some, he, you know, obviously was um, getting some interest from championship clubs. I think he, he went overseas, right? Did we already say that um, yeah. early in his career? And you got to love players who are willing to go test themselves other places. Michael Dang did the same thing. Um, hopefully he fits in and finds a home here in Memphis. So uh, speaking of, uh, Kyle, you pointed out, I believe, on the Twitter machine. And uh, for the folks at home, Kyle, what's your, uh, what's your Twitter handle? It is at Kyle Coche. And if you want me to pretty much bemoan American soccer Twitter, that is the place to go. And if you want to see great Canadian Premier League highlights, also the place to go. And occasional buck suites. Um, basically, uh, the place to go for all of your, you know, uh, Canadian Premier League info uh and and bucks and you went viral uh with your tweet telling that you told your wife that you were now watching the canadian premier league and the long-suffering emma replied uh you're, you're just making up leagues now right correct so, she came home from joanne's and that was what was said and i don't blame her for thinking that <laughs> and so the problem, so, uh, kyle i have pro- kyle the problem i have is having been uh raised irish catholic I, you just made me feel guilty that I'm not watching enough soccer. I see your Twitter feed and I'm like, God, I should be watching the Canadian Premier League. And then I come to my senses and I say, no, I don't need to be watching the Canadian Premier League. I'm going to watch another Canadian, episode the, of 30 Rock. Canadian Premier League is like, it's, it's definitely a methadone. I mean, that's like <laughs> over to good stuff. It's that's the good shit. That's the good shit. Now he's like, no, this is the pure cut. Straight, straight product. Uh, oh yeah, nothing more pure. 
<laughs> um, I, I just, you know, uh, I am uh, impressed with how much he watches. Uh, and, and so you uh, pointed out the stat, uh, Kyle, uh, on Kyle Coche. Remember, of course, Kyle Carr, Spanish uh, for is Spanish. Coche is Spanish for Carr. Uh, I'll explain the joke and I'll do it poorly, Dan. Um, and so basically uh, you pointed out that this is the first time that they've scored more than one goal since when? First time that they have scored more than one goal since July 31st, 2019 against Toronto FC2 when they won four to one. I don't know why Optalee didn't do this, but I will so take over. We've been in, ex- in extended discussions with Optalee. <laughs> First of all, you know, Optalee would add something dirty that happened on, on July 31st or inappropriate. Uh, Optalee is basically very busy playing a lot of FIFA and drinking the cheapest possible booze that you can find and it's it's occupying all of his time i appreciate Uh, the hustle yeah uh you know he's not he's not upgraded his booze he's busy putting putting tvs on cardboard boxes as we've seen he's living his best life and so maybe stats you know they're they're just germinating in his head uh we did reach out uh he is going to you know uh because we ended up reminiscing about we went to see swansea uh, play at County Stadium, or not, Miller Park, pardon, a number of years ago. And we were reminiscing about the John Joe Shelby hat trick, which is a goal, an own goal, and a card. And we were discussing some of the other hat tricks that one might watch for. Uh, so hopefully Optoli will be back with that, that statistic. Also, Optoli, my favorite detail about him, never listen to this podcast. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uses. I think out a general principle. So <laughs> points from, from the match that we had. The first is obviously, and look, other people have been trying to hype that they were on the Vang train. No, we, we are the originators of the Vang train. G is silent. Your articles, you know, you may have written about Michael Vang in, in March. No, we were on the Vang train from the moment that he appeared and did he let us down, Dan? He did not. He did not. I mean, we are, I mean, we obviously are incredible uh, talent scouts. I mean, I watched grainy video from Portugal and knew this guy was going to score on his debut at Hart Park. I even knew it was going to be at Hart Park. I just didn't want to share that with everybody at the time. It, it, it would have bummed seem, people I didn't, I didn't, well, I didn't think people were mentally prepared for the fact that I would give them the Michael Vang information and the Hart Park information at the same time. They needed to be well, you were like you were, you were a first passenger on the Vang train, and your COVID knowledge was ahead of everyone else's. So this is it's really I, going your way. I'm the Nostradamus of the East Side. Um, no, I mean he. I, what I really liked was um, you know we, we joked last week like we hyped this thing up so much. That you're like, oh God, I hope this kid, first of all, I hope he starts. And then second of all, I hope he has a, has a decent game. Uh, and what was it? 57 seconds into the game, he get, receives a pass and immediately tries to play a through ball on the ground in behind the defense to Don. It gets cut out, but it's like, offside. that's what we've been missing. Don, I think too. Yeah, I was offside, but I think the defender was going to cut it out anyway, if I remember yeah. correctly. But, um, but I mean, like, that's what we've been missing, right? Like the, the, and I, I think I kind of identified this back in the in the winter from the video. It looked like a guy who, if you get him the ball, he immediately turns upfield and is looking to play a positive pass. And he's looking 
to get on the front foot. And from the first minute, I was like, perfect. That's exactly what we want to see from him. Um, and then it just kind of continued from there. Yeah. Uh, so we, we get a Van goal that we'll talk about. We'll break down the goal. Um, Kyle, what else did you see from the, the Michael Van train um, that had you excited? Um, there are also some other things that had me excited just from, from his playing there, but. Yeah, I will take no credit for the Vang train. I was not part of the podcast when that was started by you two. So I am not a part of it. I am now going to start Vang gang instead. So that's what I got. <laughs> um, we know what I bang bus, which, uh, you know, inappropriate, much like Vang Vang gang, but you know, <laughs> you know, that's not, that wasn't the initial intention. Now that I say it out loud, it's like, yeah, that, that, there's an issue. Not the point. Um, <laughs> It was kind of like what Dan was saying. When he gets the ball, he looks up immediately. And that was something that I had noticed as well. And I think with him, it's just kind of like with Brandon Eaton. He, it seems like he has urgency with the ball. It seems like he's willing to try. And maybe it's a lower percentage pass, but he's going to attempt that lower percentage pass. And I think that's something that the team really needed. And, you know, yeah, first minute, tries the through ball. There are other times he just comes back. He's just comfortable on the ball and his passing rage seems to be something that not a lot of players on this squad has. And that's something that we didn't really get to see the full range of passing because most of the time he was just dropping deeper, just trying to recycle as much as possible. Maybe he'll try through ball every once in a while, but you just notice that he's going to get the ball. He's going to be comfortable on it. If he has more than two seconds, he can put in a killer pass if he needs to. And I think that's something especially with some upcoming opponents. Um, they're going to be tough to break down defense-wise or they're going to be doing more of a press. That can be something that will be useful for Ford and you can get it over to Paulo, you can get it over to Don, you can get it to JC or Woj or even Jamel and Jiro who are bombing up the wings. And that's going to be something that's I'm really excited to see more of is more his range of passing. Yeah, and I think we'll talk more about his offensive contributions when we talk about the goals. But he is it looks like very press resistant to use the newly popularized term, you know, and, and that is another guy with JC that that helps, right. That they're not going to turn the ball over. Um, you know, you pointed out Dan in, in, you know, with some footage that we, we had from the high levels of Hart park, you know, you were, you were stealing some, some quality footage there that, you know, one of the things that helped keep that a lot, that, that second goal alive was the build up play and the movement from those, from, you know, Jiro and, him in in a very deep role right um and that kind of build up play and i think we saw that the knock-on effects of that as well i feel like jc felt a little bit more comfortable um they came out you know on paper uh we were laughing about this uh you know before we went to air that now neil is i I think intentionally trolling us with his lineups um or the team is intentionally trolling us (laughs) because they had vang lined up outside right uh, I think Don through the middle, um, you know, just a bunch of stuff. Very clearly, he's playing in a traditional number 10 role in the hole. Um, they they started uh, with two holding midfielders, I think, at the start of the game. But JC had license to get forward. And actually, Eric Leonard had a little bit of license to get forward. Yeah. I was uh, uh, kind of interested in how far he got forward. So I think in terms of the whole midfield fluidity, that opened up a lot more it felt like Dan and, and Kyle yeah well I mean I think um after you know some tinkering around with different lineups to try and unlock things I mean this is the way Daryl wants to play 
I mean, I think he's been saying that from the beginning. He really wants to play with two playmakers sitting in front of a holding midfielder. And, I, you know, we can you can debate exactly where JC was playing at different points in the match. But this, I, this is the way he wants to play. He wants to play with, you know, number nine, two attacking players on the outside, and then two attacking midfielders and a holding player. And so we finally, you know, I think this is kind of the first time this season where we've gotten to see this is the formation, this is the players I want in there. And it all came together. Um, I just, did think just what was interrupting you, was... you there very quickly, Dan. Yeah. Would you say uh, th- this was how Pep should have lined up uh, with Manchester City <laughs> against? <laughs> yes, yes, I would uh, very much say that Pep should have lined up in four three three against the seventh t- seventh ranked team in France. But uh, you can head over to my Twitter page at dffallon12 to hear more about my. My uh, my Pep Guardiola obsession for the last few days. But um, by the way, um, uh, for for listeners at home who are interested, we have a, a Twitter handle for ourselves. Uh, what what is that, Dan? That's at forwards back wa two. Excellent. You can follow us there, and you're going to get uh, you know just retweets of everybody of Kyle and Dan. Basically, that's yeah. all that handle does. So. Um, but, one, you know, one other point I was going to make is that early in the match, particularly, I thought we – I haven't seen us press this high up the pitch in a long time. Um, you know, we – I think we covered this a few times last season, you know, when we were having – you know, after I told them they had to stop conceding goals and Daryl listened to me um, and they kind of went into this a lot more compact. They are basically three for three for predictions, right? I'm just killing it today. Killing it. It's, it's, it's a solid Monday. Um you know, they went into this very compact defensive shape where they really wouldn't engage uh, the other team until right around midfield. We were pressing guys five yards outside of their box last night. I mean, there was one point where Eric Leonard, I think, was beyond the strikers pressing uh, and then dropped back in. And they were kind of rotating through. Vang sometimes was the highest. Don was often the highest up there pressing. So, and, you know, we'll get to the goal, but the first goal was completely a result of, of pressing high up the pitch. So I don't know if that was a little bit of like, we got to create some urgency. We got to win this match. If it was, you know, they were clearly Tormenta couldn't deal with it. Um, they had a lot of trouble playing out of it. Um, but it was a very different look from us uh, defensively. Yeah. And I think um, that brings up sort of a, a second key point that, that I highlighted. Um, and it, it, it's kind of twofold. First of all, uh, I don't know what they put in Don and Paulo's checks, um, but those guys seemed like they were all in it and were on it and involved and, and integrated very well this this week. Um, but what we saw was a greater amount of attacking fluidity. There was a. It seemed like you know last year when you would watch the team, sometimes Don would pop up far on the left and uh, Paulo would be on the right. And then they'd switch back or one of them would operate through the middle. And I think we saw more of that attacking fluidity in a, in a couple of ways, right, Kyle? Yeah. And I know Weston and all the guys on League One and Filter were saying this, that Ford's offense just looked flat. It was uncreative. It was just tough to watch. It was, there's just nothing there. And that was the difference with today. You see more of the fluidity. And part of that is Vang being inserted into the starting lineup. But I think it's also the pressing was a little bit higher. And all. And it's kind of like they didn't rely on just one person to create the offense. I think the issue, 
you know, the North Texas match and the Brinkman match was the best attacking chances were coming from Jiro. And while Jiro is very talented and Jiro is good with the ball, it's really tough to just rely on your left back to be the key to your offense being unlocked. And I think another thing that we, I saw less of was less long balls forward. They did a few, which was a result of the second goal, but they didn't seem to just get the ball immediately launched up field, hoping that Wolves gets it and Donner Paulo gets it behind. It was, they put it together a few short passes, then they fired a long ball or they would get a longish ball, but it was on the ground. So at the very least it had some speed and some zip behind it. And I think that's really the fluidity that was more present. It's just that they were able to string together four or five passes this week, which was something that wasn't happening in the first three matches. Could that just be that Tormenta is a poor defensive team? Possibly. It could also be the, again, Vang starting, the players being more rejuvenized. It could just be a combination of all of it. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see if that's still continuing moving forward or if this was just a one-off against a team that defensively has a lot of holes and does struggle. And that's something that's been present even since last year. Dan, uh, one thing Kyle highlighted that I think was was pretty important is Woj's, you know, he got a goal and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But one of the things that you saw too was last year we saw a lot of lateral uh, intermixing. The nice thing is, as Kyle highlighted, now with Woj, you've got a center forward who can can drop in a little bit, maybe draw a central defender with him, and then we saw that open spaces for Paulo, Don, Michael Vang probably going forward, you know, so all of that. So what what other things did you see in the the attack, you know, that, that you were impressed with? Yeah, I mean, um, I think I would agree with a lot of what Kyle said. Um, it seemed, it, it, you know, and I don't want to give all the credit to Mike Bang, but it just seemed like everyone was calmer on the ball. There just seemed to be a belief in what they were going to do, an understanding of how they wanted to play. Um, uh, and I agree that it was coming from different places on the field. Now, we, I think we right before we jumped on, we all kind of agreed, a lot, you know, other than the second goal, uh, Don's goal, a lot of the, lot of the play came down um, our left side of, of the field, on the Giro side, on the Apollo side. Um, really, they really struggled, uh, tormented to deal with us coming down that side of the field. Um, but I agree. I mean, the, fa- the fact that Woj can drop too, and, you know, there are strikers who do that and you know, they're going to lose the ball. And so, you know, the center back or maybe the holding midfielder doesn't really worry too much about like, well, I'll just let him kind of go there because he's not going to win the ball. Woj rarely loses the ball. Um, he had a couple of very strong plays. I mean, the one where he kind of rolled it under the guy as the guy was falling over and then hopped over him and then sprayed that ball wide out to Don. Um, you know, I think he, he requires a defender to follow him and that allows that space in behind. And that, that run was on all day. I mean, that was the first pass that bang played to Don was that Don coming all the way across the field. It was how Paulo scored the, uh, third goal, fourth, third, fourth, um, fourth, fourth. coming, cut, cutting across the back line. Cause there was all that space there. Um, so yeah, obviously, you know, we wanted to get in behind their defense and it, and it worked really, really well. Um, so yeah. Before we get to their poor defense and how that led to our four goals and talk about our four goals, 
Uh, let's talk about, I don't know if we should call them TNT, uh, the law firm of Trimmingham and Tobin, uh, Trim and Tobes. Uh, we got to come up with a, a good nickname. So I'll leave that, uh, you know, at us uh, at Forwards Backwa 2 uh, to, to mention that uh, if you've got a good nickname. But uh, second, uh, second clean sheet for the duo. Um, the passing out of the back, I think, cleaned up a, a fair amount. They looked very solid. I think, you know, we haven't seen Pato get forward uh, as much, but his, his qualities on the, the right-hand side were in evidence. Um, so I think, you know, overall, the defense has continued to be strong. Uh, they've gone from strength to strength that, you know, we, we talked about that Richmond goal. Other than that, they didn't have a lot of chances. Um, what, it, what other things have you seen from, from the defense that have, have left you impressed I would say there was a couple moments in later in the first half where Tormento would go down the left side and Pato would get back, be able to contain the attacker, which allowed Turbo to, you know, dispossess the attacker. And that's something it's very underrated. It's not something you truly, truly know. And Turbo gets the credit for the tackle. But if Pato doesn't contain him, that attacker might be able to get a shot on goal. He might put a cross in. And just him and Giro being able to use their speed to get back on the fence quick enough and still have their one-on-one ability to contain those wingers. And that just makes Turbo and Trimingham's job much easier. And yeah, I would agree. They're a lot more calm on the ball. And I think, again, them not just launching pass up fields helps. Um, it will be interesting to see how they cope with a more dynamic press in Omaha moving forward. But it is good to see that. They're still limiting chances. They're still not allowing a lot of good chances. I can't really think of many that Tormenta had throughout the whole match. So it's good, the partnership, good on the fullbacks, a strong defensive performance, and a clean sheet that was well-earned. Yeah, Marchetta had, you know, the, the one big save was in the fifth minute from a fifth, six minute from a free kick okay. that he kind of handled awkwardly. Um, but otherwise, not a lot of chances, Dan. No, and that, I mean, that's been the story of the season, which – you know, long may it continue. Um, it hasn't, and again, we, we talked, I think we'll get into this with Eric Leonard. We, I think we all agree just had an Eric Leonard game, you know, seven and a half, eight, like just cleaned everything up and then had actually had an incredible hockey assist uh, on the one goal. But um, yeah, I mean, Tormenta didn't really create much at all. Um, there's still been a, there's a few times where I, you know, if I'm being hypercritical. I thought, uh, Turbo and Josiah could have showed a little bit more calmness on the ball and not cleared them out. Um, they could have played it shorter, but it was better than other weeks. And actually I was looking at, at the stats. Um, we actually did end up playing 81 long passes, which is a lot more than uh, Tormenta did, but our passing accuracy was basically the same. So we obviously were, were landing some of those passes. And I totally agree with what Kyle said about Pato and, um, and Giro. It, it seemed like they were not being asked to get forward as much this week. It was kind of like get forward when you can, but let's let the five, let's let the front three JC and Vang do the damage and um, kind of freeing them up from some defensive responsibility um, to um, kind of, and again, I think that's why we pressed high up the pitch. We wanted to play the game in their half of the field. We actually had less possession. So this is like, it's interesting to look at this game versus the Richmond game where like, the stats on the page in the Richmond game would tell you that we dominated and, you know, we did, but we didn't really create anything. Whereas this week we had less of the ball. 
we passed it less, but we were devastating when we had the ball. So, um, and I thought Giro in particular, this was a totally different game than that he had. He was battling all night. I mean, he was involved in a number of one-on-one duels, very physical with the guy on his side of the pitch. He probably should have been booked in the 34th minute when he, when he tried to go around the player, lost the ball, and basically like hauled the guy down and just laid on him. Um, I mean, I would have been yelling for a yellow card there, but um, it showed a different side of his game. I think that he was willing to kind of roll up his sleeves and just kind of battle uh, all night. Uh, I'm sure he was sore the next day. Um, and he got and his, in the wood you know, they, as well. Yeah. Yes. And he got to lift that, that, uh, that, advertising hoarding like nine times out of the way. So he got some, he got some, some bicep work in. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're already talking to Cuba about having those better placed for next week. I think we were told that that's not in his job description, but we'll keep bugging him. You, you got to be a team player, Cuba. Uh, the, the final thing I'll say is, uh, you know, week one against North Texas, and we asked Neil about this, Marchetta didn't look as comfortable on the ball. You know, Daryl had highlighted that he had really good foot skills. He, I think we went until the 63rd minute. I tracked it before he completed a pass in that North Texas match. And here, you know, he looked comfortable. He looked like he had confidence in playing the ball. He connected with Giro quite a bit on a couple of passes where they played back and he recycled. So I think from that sort of perspective, he was uh, really strong. On the flip side, not strong and didn't have a good game. Uh, if we look at the first goal was Reese Williams. And Reese Williams... Uh, they did call him for a handball in the 65th minute. There was some, you know, yelling about when that ball was played in, you know, was there a handball? Uh, they kind of, you know, raised their hands on it. Fortunately, Paulo stayed on it, just totally picked his pocket and lays it through. Don kind of lets it. And Michael Vang, the Vang train, leaves the station in the eighth minute with just a, a deadly finish uh, from the p- penalty spot everything you could want from a goal and, and kind of fitting in with all of the themes we identified Kyle and and Dan. Yeah, it was definitely a good goal. It was a pressing, it was kind of like a Liverpool kind of goal where you press, you get the ball, get it on the wing, you put it in the box and someone's going to be there. And thankfully, and Don could have easily have taken it as well. Um, Left it for Michael Bank who had a great first touch on it because he had that first touch, he was able to put it away. But yeah, Paulo just continued. I think the big thing was they continued to go at them. Even after the handball shout, both Don and Paulo could have just let it be and not, you know, continue pressing him. But they both went at it. Paulo was able to get it. And it was kind of funny because right before that, you see Eric be a little bit further up the pitch and Giro be a little bit further up the pitch. So the pressing early on pays off and, yeah, well-placed goal for Mike Vang, and it was a great start, you know, early early in the match to get a goal like that, especially your first goal. You, you can't complain about it. Choo-choo, mother flockers, Dan. <laughs> yeah, um, now, uh, and one, I think one point of correction here, Keith, I think it was, uh, I think it was Skelton who got his pocket picked, the right center back. Oh, okay. Uh, it wasn't that right outside back? So. No, I think it was – I mean, Reese had a pretty shocking game too, but I think this one was on Skelton. And who, to his credit, before the ball was even in the back of the net, had his hand up in the air apologizing because, you know, that's that's not – he even tried to grab Paulo, and I think Paulo was just too quick for him. Um, 
But you know, and I met you know, we've already mentioned Paolo the... is like at Adama Triori putting on the baby oil. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I was gonna say the one thing about Vang too is like you know he had the pass in the first minute. Uh, that didn't come off. He also got fouled in the third minute where he got the ball down in the left flank, tried to pull a little move, got pulled down. And then this happens in the eighth minute. I mean, you can't really ask for more out of your playmaker in the first eight minutes of the match. And for, you know, for a guy making his debut, what a calm finish. I mean, to take the first touch and then just, just bury it. I mean, um, you can't, it was perfect. Yeah. So now, well, and, and I think last weekend we were talking about, um, you know, 16 year old making his debut. Michael Vang is still only 19 years old. Granted, he's, yeah. you know, when you've cut your teeth in, in third division in, in Portugal, when you've played anywhere in, in the professional ranks, yeah, that, that makes a big difference, but still a 19 year old kid and showed just tremendous maturity and, and no, you know, not, not the biggest guy on the pitch, but does not look out of place in terms of physical strength and yeah. all of those sorts of things. Um, so we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's on, <laughs> on my notes. Uh, the one non goal related note that we have to talk about, I think 23rd minute, uh, Don, uh, smart scores his first ever headed goal, he says. And that's why he pointed to his head. Uh, ball came in from, from JC banks out on the wing Kyle, Dan, what did you, what did you see? What did, you know, it was a, a beautiful goal, well-worked, a lot of buildup. Uh, what did you, you notice in all the buildup and, and in that goal? I'll just say quickly, and then I'll let Kyle go. I counted 12 passes, and uh, everyone on the pitch touched the ball except for Paolo. So I think all 10 players, including the goalkeeper, touched the ball before the goal. Um, so that's, you know, I'm sure Neil and Daryl were – were giggling like schoolgirls when they watched that back on the video. Yeah, kind of going into that, it's funny how that goal starts because both Vang and Woj dropped deep for the ball, and then they were able to kind of just recycle it out. And it's just funny because it starts on the left side with Vang and Woj, gets over to Jiro and just completely goes around. Great ball from Pato to JC. Yeah. And it was kind of it looked like JC was cutting in, and then as soon as he cut in, kind of made like a football move where he like made an in-out route type of run, which then got him the ball, puts in the ball, a good cross. And I think it counted. There was what, four guys in there. I think Don was in there. Obviously, uh, Paul was in the box. Vang was in the box. Wolves was in the box. Like all four of them had gotten into the box. So no matter what it was, JC put the ball high enough so that none of the tormented defenders could get to it. And I'm shocked that it's Don's first heavy goal, but good on him. And yeah, I think that was just like the perfect team goal. And that's, kind of what the team had been lacking. And I know Dan, you had mentioned it, you know, the first three matches that ball gets turned over and nothing happens of it. So it just showed after that first of all, I think the confidence really started kicking in yeah. for them. And it's, it was good to see, like I said, the fact that Vang and Woj can drop that deep. And then by the end of it, they're already in the box. It just, it was just able to show like how quick they were able to go. What? I guess not necessarily counter, but Make and the runs that we highlight two guys that also made off the ball contributions without touching it. And um, early on in that move, you know, the ball gets to Josiah and what Vang does is ends up making a, a little five or 10 yard run to be square for Josiah and available that drags a defender there that opens up the pl- space to, to play that ball out from Josiah short, easy ball. And they continue the recycle on the, on the flip side, going into the box, if you watch Woj, Woj is clearly making a dummy run and basically accelerates 
as he gets in front of the front, the, the near post, and he knows he's not getting that ball, and the defender follows him, and that opens up a little bit more space there too. He knows he's got guys behind him, and he drags them out of the way. And I think, you know, last week uh, I set, texted Dan after the show, and I said, Dan, did I make clear enough that I, I think we need more off-the-ball work from our guys? And he goes, yes, I think you beat that particular dead horse enough <laughs> during the podcast. But that little move from Vang, like we, we focus so much on guys on the ball turning it over. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I don't think we would have necessarily had a guy making that run for Josiah. Josiah would have banged it 80 yards. I'm still concerned with Josiah that he's too strong to hit a ball shorter than 80 yards. Like I, I think like scaling himself down, like his natural short pass is an 80-yard ball because he just looks like the strongest man alive. But I think in that situation, he wouldn't have had, he had to, didn't have to play the long ball. He could play the shorter ball into the midfield and they could recycle it, you know, and move it on. And just that little run opened up that, that path back to, to, to Giro. And so, you know, I think these small little things add up in a midfield when guys are comfortable with each other's movements. And that's what you saw on that goal. So I still, I agree with you, Kyle. I can't believe that was his first ever, ever goal. Uh, Dan, uh, you, you know, the, the third goal comes from Vosh, Hank Scorpio, Voshek, Voshik, uh, on two pretty really touches from across from Dan. Uh, you were really impressed though. And were one of the first ones to point out, at least that I saw that Leonard had the hockey assist. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was a great kind of the kind of no look around the corner, uh, through ball. Um, that really just capped off a, a really successful night for Eric. Um, I'm sure he was not happy about not starting last week. He's been kind of one, I mean, he's been an ever present uh, in the starting lineup when he's fit. So I'm sure he took that personally, feeling like some of the, you know, if results aren't going well and you're one of the guys who usually plays and then you don't play, you got to feel like they're kind of pointing at you. And I think, um, he came out, he had a great game defensively, broke up a lot of things, did everything you want from six um, and was, was really cool and calm on the ball. And that was just a great, I mean, that goal, I mean, the pass from Leonard, the cross from Don, the first touch from Woj, and then it was just a beautiful goal. I mean, I, you know, I would think that the last goal the or the second goal was um, the goal we just talked about. It's probably the best team goal we've scored uh, in the last, in the, so far in forward Madison history. Um, but I mean, you could, you could talk about all of these goals as being just quality. And this was, uh, this, and exactly what you want from a number nine, like making that run to the penalty spot, killing the ball dead and just slotting it away. Uh, great goal. Kyle, any additional thoughts on, on that, that finish? It's just, a perfect number nine type of finish. That touch from Woj was fantastic. I mean, everything before that was great. I really love that touch from Woj. Like I was able to get control with his right foot, get it to his left, put it away. And it was the very fluid, very, it just looked natural for him. And that's something that they didn't have last year. And that's something I've said it multiple times. You, You didn't have it last year with the collection of guys that were up there and that's why they brought him in. You know, those are the kind of finishes that he's going to make that not a lot can, especially for a guy with his height and he still has the speed. We talked about how he's a, he's tall, but he's got such a great touch that it, it was just really cool to see that kind of finish. Cause like I said, when I saw it, I thought he just one time it, but when I saw the first touch, it was like, 
No, this is that's an impressive amount of skill with the defender pretty much on his hip and the goal right in front of it. He did not have a lot of room either. So I just really appreciated that touch from Woj for the goal. And like you said, from a, from a big guy, you're, you're not the touch you're expecting. Very, very gentle, very soft yeah. from, from Woj. Um, so uh, fantastic, you know, finish. Great ball from Don as well. You know, and I think that's the thing. If you can get Don into that space, he's, he's got the skill and the ability to, to, to kill you with that, that ball. Um, now, in the, the, the non-goal. That's a good, oh, I was going to say, that's a good transition to the fourth goal too because Don just <laughs> – ate him up but yeah let's go to the well i was gonna say killing you i think michael vang will fight you uh which we discovered in his yellow card in the 61st minute dan which had you palpitating even more about being on the on the bag train (laughs) well i'd say i'd say two things about that i really love three actually three things that about that one if we're being fair he did fade as the match went on i think his 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 uh mike's impact on the match was mostly in the first probably 25 to 30 minutes. Um, he definitely faded as the match went on, but again, it's his first match and he played 60 ish minutes. Um, love to see that feistiness. I guess that would be, uh, um, I, not to pick on my friend, uh, Pep Guardiola again, but that, that is a, that is a man city foul. If I've ever seen one, the, the tactical don't the let them break special. Out. Yeah. Don't <laughs> let them break out on you at the top of their box. Um, so one, I think he was tired Two, I like the feistiness and I like the identifying that they're breaking and you know what, taking a foul there isn't the worst thing. It was a borderline yellow. I mean, yeah, he's not really trying to play the ball. Um, the third thing I, I loved Eric Leonard flying in there to defend. That's what I was going to say. (laughs) Cause to me, that shows you, that shows you that the players already like Mr. Vang and know that he's a special player and they are not going to let anybody push him around. Uh, and I, and I liked his reaction. He basically just kind of looked at the guy and walked away. Like, so, uh, I liked a lot of I liked a lot of that sequence. Our Eric Leonard now, not just the tomato, now the flying tomato, apparently. <laughs> I'll, uh, what, yeah, what did the you angry think? tomato, the angry tomato. <laughs> and that, the thing with that is it kind of, with Leonard, that's kind of what you want on your six. You want a guy yeah. that's going to just break up stuff. He's ready to throw down. I always appreciate that out of my six. Um, I, I know, I feel like Eric would win in that fight. I, I, he's a, he seems like a scrappy dude that's going to do whatever it takes to win. Yeah, so yeah, I think he's kind of like Dan. Um, he probably fights dirty. Wouldn't be surprised, but it, yeah. it's just, that's kind of, you want that edge. You want that. I mean, at that point, Ford's rolling. They could have easily taken their foot off the gas, but they kind of just stayed at it and still had that edge on them. And I'm not saying that was lacking in the first three games, but it was not as present and visible as it was on Friday night. And so Eric Leonard actually helps create in a kind of unsung role of the, the third goal, which I think we saw as we, we identified um, um, that interplay up top. But basically Leonard shields the ball to, to Don Smart, who then slips it through to, to Paulo and, and, uh, a lot going on defensively there, Kyle, for um, uh, South Georgia. Uh, a lot of question marks in my head as Paulo danced that one in. Yeah, that was concerning because Paulo makes a diagonal run that we've been accustomed to. Yara is in no man's land. I don't know what he was trying to do. He's too far outside his box to grab it. He doesn't really make an attempt to even kick it. 
So he kind of just like runs at it. And then by the time he realizes I'm screwed, Paul's already got the ball dribbled past him. It's a goal. And it, it was a defensive, I mean, it was a collective defensive failure, but Yara being that far off his line. And that seems to be a trend with Tormenta. Cause I think um, Fort Lauderdale, when they had their halfway goal, same, I think it was against South Georgia as well. So it was kind of funny. I know we talked about Dallas J being off his line a little bit more and it works for him, but with Yara, it just, I don't know what happened. That was just, at first I thought it was a very, I thought it was a very great run and great pass and it still ended up being that, but it was also questionable defending from the back line and questionable goalkeeping. And I I think one of the things Kyle uh, pointed out to us before Dan, uh, we started the show was the right, everything came from that right-hand side of the defense. Uh, Skelton had a rough one and Reese Williams also had a, had a rough one there on that right side. And that run came across the back of the defense and, no communication. I mean, I don't think Skelton seemed Dan aware of the run. No. And, you know, in their defense, they're getting beat up. It's three nil. Their coach isn't there. They, you know, they know they're not getting anything out of the match. Um, so, you know, as we, as we witnessed from the, the uh, illustrious Barcelona, sometimes you just kind of throw in the towel. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, you could see the how nobody saw that run coming is a little bit beyond me. I mean, Don, and even in the buildup, I mean, Don falls down. Has loads of time. He, and it's not like, usually when you fall down, you're like still, you're trying to dribble while you're getting up. He like literally like stopped the ball, got up, like, you know, check the beard. <laughs> and but, nobody. But the beard, yeah, the beard ball on. There was nobody within 10 yards of him. So I, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to give them a pass, but you know, I think their 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 race had been run at that point. Yeah. So but Leonard, I, you know, screened that ball as I mentioned, and it went to went to Don. Great run across the ball from Don. You know, was a great one, and maybe it was one of those Kyle that that sort of froze the goalkeeper. You know, it was so well weighted that he didn't. You know, he he just had that moment where he's like, "Do I do I stay or do I go here?" And um, then Skelton, I don't know if he was hurt or what, but uh, his recovery looked weak. And then, Dan, you said you saw a little bit of limping from Yara as well um, on that one, kind of that he may have pulled something. And, and yeah, the rest I mean, of the night, I, I didn't have much in terms of notes on the rest of the night. I don't know what you guys saw, but once it went to 4-0, you kind of knew, you know, as you said, the race was run, the day was over, everybody had mentally, you know, checked themselves into the hotel and were taking their post-game shower at that point i think yeah it was definitely by that point it was okay let's just not get COVID. (laughs) (laughs) uh though we did see uh the return thankfully and and something that we never thought we'd see on a soccer field turbo smiled and kuba supplied him with a post-game beer to slam so we're happy to see that tradition return and i think that's part of the reason that the the mediterranean uh marauders were were so uh, excited that they pledged allegiance to Turbo before the podcast tonight. So uh, looking forward, Dan, uh, I'm really excited for this because you did in-depth work to prepare us for Union Papillon, uh, as it's known to the French speakers. Uh, they don't refer to it as as that there in in uh, rural Nebraska. Um, they, they prefer to call it Papillon, I believe is the term, uh, yes. Nebraska. 
Um, and so what, what kind of preview, what kind of in-depth facts, figures can you give us about this match? Preview. Papillion is a city in the county seat of Sarpy County, Nebraska, in the United States. It developed as an 1870s railroad town and suburb of Omaha, which I've never heard of, and now has a population of just over 20,000. Its growth since the late 20th century has reflected that of some city called Omaha, which I have never heard of again. The city was named after the creek of the same name, which flows through its center. The city had been named by the early French explorers as France had claimed this territory through the 18th century, but surrendered it later, as they're known to do. The name Papillion is derived from the French term papillon for butterfly. Papillion, sometimes referred to as papio by the locals, is one of the last of the late 18th century Paris-inspired frontier cities left in the Midwestern United States. Keith, this sounds like your kind of place, Le Mech. <laughs> Halleck Park, a recreation area in the heart of the city, includes many trails, open spaces, trees, and a number, area, number of areas of interest, including Papio Fun Park, Papio Bay Aquatic Park, Papio Pool, and Papio Bowl. I sense uh, a plan there with their naming. And one of the most exciting pieces of information I will share in this preview, Papillion Middle School is housed in the former high school building. Oh, mon dieu! The former junior high was located directly west across the street and moved to its current location in 1971. Since we are in election year, I did want to touch on a dark, dark time in the history of Papillion when Mayor James Blind resigned suddenly in 2009 with no real explanation. A $200,000 settlement was later paid to a former employee of Mayor Blind via Papillion's liability insurance provider, setting, tags, setting tongues wagging in this normally morally upstanding oasis on the Great Plains. And that is your, that is your preview of what to expect from Union Papillion on Wednesday evening. Uh, interesting thing, part of the reason, you know, that they named it after butterflies, important stop on the Monarch Butterfly uh, tour to the to the south. So uh, very crucial. Uh, before we go, I think, look, nobody does better analysis than we do. Uh, nobody does the research like we do. Uh, Kyle, uh, Canadian Premier League Game of the Week, do you have one for me? I do. And actually, it's going to be on Fox Sports 2. So even bigger news, because before you had to get a subscription or find a stream, however you want to find it. But now it's going to be this upcoming Tuesday night. It's going to be Pacific FC against York 9 FC. Pacific, located over on Vancouver Island, the good team that everyone loves, had a very tough 2-2 draw. York 9 FC, another Toronto team. I don't give a damn about Toronto. But... They could provide a threat, but I'm going to lean towards Pacific FC to get the win. And that is going to be on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 2. Uh, I, what I'm going to say about Kyle is apparently one of the ways if you want to get Kyle to support your team is put it on an island. Because that's how he's on Maritimo. You know, that's on an island off of Portugal. Vancou not located not, not in wrong. Vancouver. Located on the island Pacific, outside of Vancouver. So I can't wait. We're on an isthmus. 
Yeah, or an isthmus. Not quite an island. Australia basically is an island. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool. You know, basically an island in in the rest of of England. I would say. Yeah. So yeah. there, there you go. Mar- Maritime. Uh, that's not English. Uh, so when we finally start our USL, uh, you know, uh, two team, we're going to have to go to Madeline Island or you know uh, Washington Island. Or Mackinac Island for for Kyle. I think that's really it. Because Kyle is who we're marketing to. <laughs> the Pretty pure, much. You need to have dope kits and you need to be on an island. That is yep. the way to win me over. And as as Kyle will watch anything, uh, really, that's where we're, we're aiming. We're going to get Except him a satellite, Syria. A, satellite Italy. a satellite dish of one. Uh, I want to thank both Dan and Kyle. Uh, you know, we had upgraded. By the way, we have to do the Ovadi hashtag watch. Uh, we had upgraded... Plavati after the performance and his very generous donations uh, to, to Madison Charities. We had upgraded him from Havati maybe out to Havati okay. However, he didn't show up in the podcast this week. Downgraded again, Havati out. However, Keith, I have some breaking news. We did receive a text from Cowboy Neil finally responding to our our question about uh, uh, a little scouting report on our new signing. Uh, I will read this verbatim as I did earlier with my preview of Papillion. Pace, both feet, versatility, creative, young. Is that, is that his Tinder profile or is that Neil's scouting report? <laughs> I found the young part a little odd because we would have known that because we know how old he is, but... Noah Fusan, there you have it. From this is the kind of analysis you don't get anywhere else. And to that, so I now say, we're moving into Halvati Watchdog? Question mark. Yeah. Halvati <laughs> oh. has to has to register as a, as a pedophile <laughs> hashtag. Um, to that, before we get down that road, and you know Neil ends up suing us again, uh, we will say forwards, not backwards; upwards, not forwards. And always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. This is a lot more fun when we win. Yeah. I got it right that time, guys. <laughs>